The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to The Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. Today we're going to cover chapters 27 through 32 of The Dragon Reborn, <laughs> uh, book three of the Wheel of Time series. So previously, Egwene went through her accepted trials and then just all about Rand. It was, it was, a, little, it was a little weird. Um, Matt was super unsmooth with some ladies and then some gentlemen, but he showed that he had some really solid bow staff skills, so that's nice. It was pretty smooth the way he didn't crush that one dude's throat <laughs> when he could have. That's true. I was thinking more like the guards, who was just like, hey guys, I'm definitely uh, just hanging out with the guards. Uh, Egwene met Celine, who seems to be spending a concerning amount of time in the White Tower. And Nynaeve's detective team, that's what I'm naming them now. I don't know. Nynaeve's detective team? NDT. NDT? Detective agency? Yeah. NDA. Oh, that's good. NDA. Man. <laughs> Nynaeve's detective agency has a big break in their case. That's it. <laughs> All right. Chapter 27. Tell Aran Riyadh. The icon of the ring. So we're doing dream stuff. Yeah, dream stuff. But interesting dream stuff, unlike the dreams Rand has, which is just him saying he denies Balsamon. Over <laughs> and over, I and in a lot you. of creepy places. Yeah. Uh, I think we get a, a sneak peek of that in these chapters, actually. Yeah. I, I, this, uh, you know, this. I, I know we've seen this ring before, but it's not exactly how I pictured it. I pictured it more like a Mobius strip, for whatever reason. You yeah, know? me too. But it yeah. looks like it's more like a donut. That's how they describe it. Like, it's got one edge that goes all the way around. Yeah. But, but I guess it... Has like four one edges instead of just two one edges. <laughs> it goes around way more times than you can expect. It's more like a Mobius donut. Uh, a monut? A monut. It sounds delicious. <laughs> so Egwene and Eve and Elaine are working in the kitchens, uh, which is part of their punishment. And there's this weird scene where all these Aes Sedai come and check on them one after another. It's like all the Aes Sedai I'm suspicious of, too. It's just like this parade of suspicious Aes Sedai. Yeah, they're, they're trying to lay low. And, and, and I wrote it down. Viren, Alana, Elida, Sherium, and Anaya all come check on them one after the other. And they all do the same thing. They just kind of like look at them and kind of glare at them a little bit, I think, right? And they're just like yeah. glaring at them. Even though wasn't Alana the one who really wanted to get spanked and have to work in the kitchens with them? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think she's there because she's jealous. Uh, that must be it. She's just like <laughs> storing it in her wing. Bank. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, get in there. Get deep in that pot. <laughs> so, but after that, uh, Egwene finally uses the ring to do some dreaming with a capital D. And, Not before uh, they spend some time talking about uh, boys again. Do they? Boys. I don't even notice, don't even notice it when it happens anymore. I know. <laughs> Light, how can I be jealous when I cannot look at Galad without shivering and feeling as if I am melting both at the same time? Rand was mine, but no more. <laughs> yeah. You know, like they do. Yeah. Yeah, so then oh, they. Oh, and we get a whole description too about her undressing too for bed. Do we? I yeah, mean, we I do. Don't, I don't pick up on this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> she talks about it. She's taken off all of her clothing. She lets her stockings fall to the floor. How does the size of her breast compare to the size of Nynaeve's breast? I think we've agreed that Nynaeve is stacked. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, got the largest breast. Yeah, Egwene's got, I think, probably like average breasts, like maybe slightly above average, but. but Perfectly formed, I imagine. You know, <laughs> and Eve, however, are just like huge. It's like, like two watermelons. Yeah, right. Like, it's like it'd be comical if it weren't just a little bit sad. You know, <laughs> she can't do anything. She has these giant gazongas. Like she'd be rejected for most strip clubs for having two ridiculously large breasts. <laughs> I have one feel really bad for Nani. You make all our healthcare premiums go up because of back problems. <laughs> you know, they don't make a thing about it, but this is why she's so grumpy all the time. She has terrible back pain. Mm-hmm. I feel really bad for Nani. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's rough. 
So, uh, yeah, Elaine, also Elaine talks about wanting to join the Green Aja so she can have three or four warders and uh, maybe marry one of them, you know. That that seems like a like a girly thing to think, right? It does. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like, if there are a bunch of 17-year-olds, that's the sort of conversation you'd have. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, I want to be a Green yeah. Aja, you know? Yeah, yeah, when they're preparing to do, like, a, a, a horrifying mission where she has to go into the dream world where sometimes people don't come back. That's probably what they want to talk about before that, right? Eh, <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of, Egwene uses the ring to dream with a capital D. And she sees a whole bunch of things in her dreams, but she's conscious. It's like lucid dreaming. Did they know about lucid dreaming in the 90s when these books were being written? Probably. I think that lucid dreaming has been kind of like a, a thing for a while. Okay. I feel like I read about it when I was younger. So she starts off in a beautiful field of flowers and stuff, and she can control things. She change, gives herself a nice dress, because that's the, her fondest dream. <laughs> I guess, yeah. yeah sure, why it's, not? It is a really nice dress, though. Yeah. And then she goes and sees a bunch of plot-relevant stuff. She sees Perrin uh, holding himself chained to a pillar. In only his small clothes. So Perrin's been spending a lot of time in his undies. Mm. Mm, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of naked Perrin running around in this book. And then she sees Rand, of course. And he's acting super crazy. And he, he says everyone's trying to kill him. And he doesn't think that Egwene's actually Egwene, right? Yeah. It, I guess people have been coming to kill him in his dreams. He thinks that she's uh, attacking him. But she... Goes crazy and he blocks her from channeling. Yeah, that's right. Which I guess he knows how to do because he's been learning stuff from being crazy. Uh, and then she arrives at Tyr and she learns about Kalimdor, which is the sword that we've been talking about this whole time. The and sword it's on that the cover of the book. Yes, the sword that cannot be touched because you try and touch it and you fail. <laughs> you just can't touch it. <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> Sorry, okay. And there's this. <laughs> And it's, it's time appropriate, actually, for the time these books were written. Mm-hmm. It's probably what Robert Jordan was thinking when he wrote these books. <laughs> probably so. So she meets a weird old lady named Sylvie. Who's the ugliest person she's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Something seems a little off about old Sylvie. I oh, think yeah. she might not be very friendly. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't, like, doesn't seem like a good guy. I was yeah. surprised that uh, Egwene wasn't at all suspicious about her, because she's super, super suspicious. Mm-hmm. Maybe she... It's just sort of in dream mode where she's accepting everything that she sees because it's like a dream. Maybe. But we actually get to see Kalimdor up close in the dream. Hmm. And it's like sort of got a one power shield around it made of both female and male one power stuff. I think it's that kind of interesting the way that they describe this actually because Egwene can see part of the, 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 the matrix or whatever around it. And she it takes her a minute to realize that the reason she can only see part of it is because it's only the, the female side. Yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, she tries to stick her power through the holes and, and it gets blocked. Uh, I did notice that Sylvie refers to the Dark One as the Great Lord, which is never a good sign. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not suspicious. But Sylvie tells her about the dreams and kind of acts all nice. And, and then uh, someone comes to look at the sword and Sylvie says, oh, you're not ready to meet him yet, which I guess... This is probably a bad person in dreams coming to look at the sword. I wonder, yeah. I mean, could this could be a lot of different people at this point. Like, it could be Balsamon. It could be one of the Forsaken. Mm-hmm. All it is, we know that he, he spends a lot of time there just staring at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, but to prevent Egwene from meeting this guy, Sylvie, like, annihilates her brain with pain to make her wake up. Well, she gets her fing- it says she got her fingers tangled around the stone ring. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if she was trying to steal it from Egwene somehow? I, I thought her intention was just to get rid of Egwene, and she knows how to use the 
the ring to do it. Maybe she knows that messing with the ring will cause this to happen. Oh, okay. Oh, anyway, it seems like there's probably a nicer way to do this. But, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Sylvie is super evil. Like, she reads as completely evil start to finish. Yeah, she's pretty evil. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, like, it's hard to tell. You know, the, there was a, there were, there was almost a whole book where Celine, nobody realized that Celine was evil. <laughs> and, you know. I think so. they, half of them still haven't. She's still running around. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Matt just met her and was like, yeah, you know, she seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, this dreaming is pretty cool. You know, I, I like it too. You see some some interesting stuff. It's not just Baalzaman saying bullshit. Yeah. So they wake up, or Egwene wakes up, and Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve make their plan, which is to go do exactly what the trap seems to be wanting them to do. You know, they they're not even done being punished for leaving Tarvel on the last time, yeah. and they're like, eh, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like a great choice. No. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it's hard to write a story where people just go to school for a year. Right. I have to go have adventures. I mean, Harry Harry Potter. Potter. (laughs) It's hard to write a good story about that. You are so wrong. (laughs) You haven't even read them yet. You don't even know what you're missing. (laughs) It's true. Look for our podcast where we read Harry Potter in the future. Hell yeah. Indeed. And uh, instead of just disappearing, Elaine will send a letter to her mom this time, which is nice. Yeah. You know, it's nice to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's important because chapter 28, A Way Out. Like, letter writing in this time period takes... A long time to get there, right? I mean, yeah, because a, a human being has to carry it with their hand. And as we know, the place traveling from place to place in these books takes a really long time, mm-hmm. and so, it's really dull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, we don't have to spend five chapters with it this time. Yeah, well, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine come to see Matt. This is a Matt chapter because it's got the dice. Oh yeah. And uh, there's this, I, I thought this was a pretty fun interaction. They kind of try and butter him up. And uh, he hits him with this really weird saying. Did you guys notice this? He said, one pretty woman is fun at the dance. Two pretty women is trouble in the house. Three pretty women run for the hills. <laughs> that sounds like something he would say. <laughs> but is that, did anybody say that? Yeah, when, when, is, that when has that exact situation been relevant in his life before? I mean, yeah, right. That he has a saying for that. Yeah, is he like thinking... Oh, I remember that time my dad brought home another woman, and man, I couldn't... It was horrible, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then the other pretty woman showed up, and we were all... Yeah. Running, <laughs> the house burned down. <laughs> as they say, like the old saying goes. Yeah, that's... That's just... Which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's a weird and misogynist sentiment. It is. It is. And I have to say, like, can you think of a single scene between young men and young women that isn't a battle of the sexes? In this entire time, one that isn't full of misunderstandings or being like, oh, men are dumb or women are like that. Uh, the first time they met men. Okay. But not the But men times. doesn't really count. Because she wears breeches. The, the, first, <laughs> the first time they met men, wasn't men harassing Rand about wanting to marry, like, like the whole marriage thing? Yeah, that's true. She was. She did other stuff, though, also. That's true. I'm, I'm just very tired of it, because I'd like to see a time when the men and the women come together, you know, from Evans Field, especially, and they're like, okay, we're all friends. This is great, you know? Mm-hmm. But no, there's always got to be, oh, well, you're a man, so that's you're dumb or whatever. That's because men are dumb, and women are hard to understand. Yeah, Alice, obviously. Don't you, don't you know? Well, they even have a little conversation here with them where they're all like, I knew all these tricks weren't going to work. And well, even Elaine tries to, like, be all princessy on them, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... and 
Matt's like, all him with her grandeur, and he's like, fuck off. <laughs> I don't work for free, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah but I, I kind of agree. Why didn't they just, this guy's an old friend, why didn't they just come and say, please do this favor for us? Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I think that would have made way more sense. He's got no job. Yeah. He's got no reason not to do yeah. this. Yeah. 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 Well, except like not being able to leave, but they can help him out. With yeah. that. They know like, about it's that. mutually yeah. beneficial. Yeah. I don't yeah. understand why it, this had to be some sort of subterfuge. Yeah. Well, I think it's, I don't know. Robert Jordan likes it. He likes that kind of sparky interaction where you're kind of men are from Mars and women are from hell or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. We get another great saying too. If you want the fun of the jig, you have to pay the harper sooner or later. Matt okay. says that. Yeah, that's that's a good expression. I yep, like that. That's right. So anyway, they get him to deliver agree to deliver Elaine's letter basically by offering him their Amarlin seat letter, the hall pass. And, uh, and that will let him get off the island. So this is an out for Matt, and he agrees to do this thing for Elaine. I, I, I do think it's interesting seeing the, this conversation from Matt's perspective, because through the whole thing, you can see he's kind of like, he's kind of trying to manipulate the, the deal. He, he hasn't been like this before. It's, it's definitely a product of his new personality, but he's like, in the moment of that conversation, he's kind of warping it a little bit and like, you know, oh, I went a little too far there. Let me back it off. You, you know, know, he thinks about his his demeanor and the way he presents to the world a lot more than any of the other characters do. Yeah. He thinks about, this is a smile that I use when I'm trying to ingratiate myself. And this is, this is what they think of me now. And this is what I want them to think of me. So this is something I'm, he he manipulates people more. He might be a sociopath now. Well, I I would say that except he's really bad at it. Well, it almost never works. He's new. He's new to it. You know, every time he says like, this is my best smile. The one I used to give to my mom whenever I was in trouble. And then it doesn't work, and then he thinks, like, yeah, my mom always seemed to know when I was trying to throw something at <laughs> <laughs> So he's just, I mean, kind of a doofus. It's like interesting that. to get to know him, though. It feels like he's a brand new character, because when he was possessed by the dagger or whatever, we didn't get any chapters from his point of view. So that's interesting. Yeah, he was just lame. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was almost, he was barely a character at all. He was just, like, glaring and, like, yeah. quiet. I yeah. think you can see from these chapters why people like Matt in the first place. Yeah. Even though he's trouble. And unreliable. Uh, he's funny. He's exciting. He, he's he's always on the make. Mm-hmm. Would you say the Matt that we're seeing now is the same Matt from the beginning of the book as far as like personality and... Maybe from like the first chapter or something. But then he gets the dagger pretty quickly. Like a third of the way through the first book. Mm-hmm. And after that, he's just more death. Yeah. Paranoid. But if, he, if this is the Matt that he used to be, this explains why everybody's friends with him. Yeah, that's true. And the women are totally jerks to him because he's trying to be sweet. And he says, if you ever need help, if there's anything I can do, I'll come. You can count on it. Oh, yeah. And then the girls just kind of like laugh at him. I know. I was him. like, I was like, he was being like genuinely nice. You know, yeah, this is the, like, the only sincere thing he said in the whole conversation. And then yeah. he's like, no wonder he, no wonder they're dicks to each other. Like, <laughs> it's like, come on. Yeah. I think this is a callback or something, but I can't quite remember when to. Like, I could not figure out what they were referencing. I think they may have like mentioned once that... Lan gave Nynaeve his ring, and she's like, what good is this? I like When I need him, I need him right now. Like, this, yeah. is, this is not useful to me. And so they're kind of laughing because Matt sort of did the same thing. Yeah. Oh, that but he's not, sense. he's not saying literally, call me when you need me to cut someone's head off. What he's saying is, I've got your back. I'm on your side. Yeah. And they're like, ha, 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 you moron. Yeah. Men yeah. are stupid. You men. Yeah. But they do give him this letter, and like, the other one is probably going to be pretty pissed about this. Like, I do not see how that could be, like, no repercussion kind of thing, right? Yeah. But, you know, she did send them out on their own. Yeah. And it's not like he goes to the vaults and says, give me all the money, and then leaves. 
That's Which true. I kind of thought he would do. <laughs> Why didn't he do that? <laughs> <laughs> because deep down inside, he's a good guy. I guess. You know, he'd rather he'd rather take his money from, you know, honest, hardworking people than from the, the White Tower. <laughs> you know, dock workers. <laughs> the salt of the earth types. Yeah. <laughs> Jack them for all they're worth. No, that's over. Uh, chapter 29. A Trap to Spring. With a picture of the flame of Tarvalon. This, oh, this whole trap thing. This is so dumb. Uh, I know. Uh, though I have to, I have to say this at the very beginning of the chapter, they make reference to a spit dog, <laughs> which <laughs> was a, was a little unusual to me. I, I was like, "What is a spit dog?" And I kind of thought about it, and it makes sense that the, the spit has to have something to rotate it. So I guess yeah. it'd be like a dog in a hamster wheel. Yeah, but it never occurred it to me that exactly that would be the thing that they used to turn the spits. <laughs> it's very medieval. Yeah, medieval castle. Yeah, why not? You get, also the dog gets in really good shape from all the exercise. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, I assume he gets paid in like table scraps. It's probably like. Primo food for a dog. <laughs> it's a pretty good sweet job. So speaking of, yeah, that Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine are back in the kitchens. Uh, and there's this whole bit with this really mean, fat cook. Yep. But we know she's good because she has a spotless white apron. <laughs> I wrote it's that down true. too. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they don't realize she's evil. good. And then in the end, she turns out to be good. But, she's, yeah. she's very Nynaeve-ish, I think. Because she's oh. very quick to smack people or speak disparagingly about them. But at heart, she's a good person. Yeah. Not a very flattering presentation, though. No. I wonder if her boobs are bigger or smaller than (laughs) Nynaeve's. Because she's fat. That's true. That's true. They're probably about the same size, but it looks a little bit less awkward on her. (laughs) I I noticed there was a lot of of fat talk about this woman in this whole chapter. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say she walks around. He says she waddles around. Uh Well, the thing is, though... I, I might think it's sexist, except that she is, like, the mistress of the kitchens. Mm-hmm. So, you would expect the chef to be super fat, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're never supposed to trust a skinny chef. Yeah. The, 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 the is that what aprons say? <laughs> no, that's that's different. Yeah. You'd never trust a skinny chef, and an innkeeper with a, with a dirty apron is always evil. <laughs> that's right, he's always a dark friend. Right. So, the Amarillin seat comes in to talk to our heroes... Uh, is completely unsubtle. It's even less subtle than all these other Aes Sedai that have been like, watching them before. He's like, I'm going to walk around the kitchen, so I'm going to go stand and stare yeah. off into space next to this person spinning his <laughs> yeah. head and mutter to myself. <laughs> yeah, ta- yeah, and mutter with a mean look on my face so everybody's afraid of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she's like playing fast and loose with the punishment. She's like, oh, I wanted to talk to you privately, so I'm going to like uh, have... Egwene and Elaine's mouths washed out with soap, I guess? Yes. Yeah, what the, what heck? the hell? Yeah, she's, I guess, ostensibly getting rid of Elaine, yeah. But she's like, think what a, did you say to me? I could think of a lot nicer ways to do that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, send them on the errand or something, right? I Especially mean. since we find out in this conversation that she knew Elaine was in on it. That was part of her plan. So there wasn't even a need to do that. Yeah, right? It, just to keep up appearances... How? I, I, no one's supposed to know that they're involved in a secret plan, but no one is especially supposed to know, apparently, that Elaine is... <laughs> I mean, is she hiding it from herself? Uh, the only other person involved in this? That is a great question. I think Elaine is being used as a pawn between the Amarillin seat and Queen Morgay's. I do, because remember, yeah. Elaine was, even though the Amarillin seat knows that Elaine is going to be caught up in whatever Nynaeve and Egwene do, because they're besties, mm. like... She specifically does not include Elaine in any of this, but Elaine ends up coming along anyway, but without the protection of the Armorlin because she's not there officially. And then she totally singles out Elaine to go get her mouth washed out. Mm-hmm. I think it's like a power, a super 
twisted power play maybe between like, her and Queen Morgaine. Like when Elaine, maybe it's about Elaine. When Elaine is queen later on, she'll remember that this person sent her to get her mouth washed out. <laughs> that doesn't that, seem like a good thing. Yeah, why it was like a dominance thing. Do that. She'll be like, I, I, I will always look up to this person. Mm. I don't know. I feel she like shot on me for no reason. There's got to be politics <laughs> going on there because everybody talks about how Tarvalon is very political. And then you've got Elida who's going from hanging out with Queen Morghese to going back to the tower. And mm-hmm. is she evil? Is she not? And I don't know. I think there must be more going on there than we know about. You're probably you're, right. Yeah, I think you're probably right. There, there's definitely like a there's a tenuous, tenuous relationship happening right now. And you know, I yeah. think the Amelin seat would do just about anything to try and keep good relations or at least, you know functional relations with well i i call bs on the armament seat right here because she says she did it this way because she wanted elaine in on it because she can trust elaine but she didn't do it herself she just set it up so that the other people would do it so she could tell more gays that she didn't do it that she yeah. didn't send elaine out but if she knew it was going to happen then she did have a hand in it Right. Well, sure. and also Morghese is not supposed to, like, no one is supposed to know that Nynaeve and Egwene are working for her anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're leaving Tarvalon under the pretense that the Amarillin Sea doesn't know about it. So why would Morghese think that Elaine is not involved, but the other two were? Why would she do that any of them were involved, right? I mean, like, it's a little weird. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. But anyway, so, the, the least subtle rendezvous that's ever happened ever. This is yeah. super <laughs> She goes in and screams at everybody to get away. Yeah. Get away, everyone except for you. I'm just going to stay and talk to this wall. Well, you know, she's uh, just a fisher girl at heart. She's not a subtle, I don't know, what's a, what's a subtle person? A dock worker. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the Omerlin seat could be going like a little bit crazy. And I mean, what, is anyone going to say anything? Mm, she's kind of in charge. So the Amelancy gives Nynaeve the news, which is, uh, A, Sherium found a dead gray man in her bed, a woman gray man, a gray woman, in her bed. <laughs> gray, gray man woman? Yeah, a gray, yeah, well. <laughs> uh, what the hell does that mean? Is it like a horse? That, that is a great question. I was, I was having the same problem here. Like, is it supposed to be a warning? Because the gray men aren't about warning. They're about yeah. assassination. So the, the whole point of a gray man is you don't notice them. Yeah. <laughs> but if, you're, if they're dead in your bed, you definitely notice them. I, I mean, I had this thought that maybe like the gray man was taking a nap there and Sherium accidentally like went to sleep on top of her and she just <laughs> suffocated it and she never noticed. I was wondering if it was more like a, your cat bringing you a dead bird kind of thing. Oh. Somebody yeah. has, has, you know, wants to send Sherium a... a a love letter? Yeah, love letters. <laughs> Give her dead, dead gray man in her bed. Oh, I heard you like I heard you like gray men because you had that other one in the bed. <laughs> they had his workers carry it away. <laughs> that makes as much sense as anything. Yeah. So I so uh, real talk, what I think it is is this is just my theory. Sherry has a dark friend and she's trying to throw the, the scent off of her. So she's mm. saying, They're after me too. Look at this gray man they left in my bed. But you know, mm-hmm. I think she's black Raza. I don't know. Yeah, that could be it. There seem to be, there seems like there's better ways to do that. <laughs> She's not subtle, right? I guess this is maybe the other gray man that was the one that killed the, the one that got away. Mm-hmm. That's true. Because there was the extra. And it just, what, like, <laughs> died of natural causes. They it, don't live very long. It could have happened, right? Died, died of old age. <laughs> you know, little gray men, they only live for like Maybe the other days. one had her heart medication in his pocket and she never got it back. <laughs> But something mysterious happens. Nynaeve says, I don't understand why you trust Elsie Grinwell for sending her the message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Omelette Seat says, well, we sent her away 10 days ago. She sucked. 
Yeah, so what's up with that? Yeah, what is up with that? We've we've seen her yesterday, right? Yeah. yeah. In this and story. She, but she was acting awfully suspicious. Yeah, she also says that all the Black Aja stuff was burned. So that stuff they found in the library was not the Black Aja stuff. It was just a huge trap. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Which, you know, <laughs> no duh, right? Yeah, Nomberlin yeah. kind of shames Nynaeve about it quite right. She says, this so obvious trap, do you mean to fall into this one too? And then Nynaeve's like, I know this trap's a trap. The best way to catch whoever sets a trap is to spring it and wait for him or her to come. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I spring mean, it I, with your face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that if you have a bear trap, right, you spring it with like a stick. You don't spring it with like your foot, right? Yeah, yeah right. You actually don't... The, a bear trap doesn't have a cell phone. You just wait. You don't have to spring it. You just wait to see who comes and checks it. That is a great point. Yeah. <laughs> a bear trap doesn't have a cell phone? Well, I mean, if it goes off, that doesn't... Tell the its owner anything. The owner has to come and check it periodically whether it's gone off or not. Ah, oh, okay. So the best thing you could do is go to Tier and like watch the watch Tier from a distance. I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do when they get to Tier? Start knocking on doors? Excuse <laughs> me. Do you know any Black Aja? It sounds like something they might do. Yeah. No, that sounds likely. They're not. Yeah. They're not good detectives. <laughs> she also gives us info about Calendor. And it turns out Kalendor is the third most powerful Sa'angriol ever made. After... There are only two more powerful than that. This uh, said, the, the, don't, she says something about them, right? That they'll probably never well, be used. She says, yeah, thank God they were never used. Yeah. We've seen them. We've seen them all. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, the matching remember, pair. Yeah, remember the, the set, the towers the with the crystal Giant globe statues the in the ground that was being dug out? Yeah. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and the, the there's a matching one on the island of Tremalki. Oh, the, the yeah, two towns yeah. that have very similar names. Yeah. That's cool. Something else. Tremal, Tremassian and Tremalking. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. The know. one that almost like sucked Brandon. I really wish they'd make a mini series out of this. I do. Because I'd they, like to see some of this. Didn't a they lot say they of this stuff. Uh, well, yes, they, they talked about it, but. Uh, yeah, they, they said they were doing it, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, you have to spend like Game of Thrones money to make something like this. Mm-hmm. And true. not everybody has that. Uh, it's very cinematic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I would wonder, love yeah. to see a lot of this stuff. Like after Game of Thrones, HBO could pick this up and probably do something really interesting with it. But mm. it doesn't have the same following, maybe. Or does it? Maybe it does. I think it's probably in its day. It was just as big as Game of Thrones. Yeah, you know, it used to be kind of joke at the fantasy conventions that Robert Jordan and George R. R. Martin would get mistaken for one another all the time <laughs> because they were both, you know, beardy old dudes who wrote <laughs> these giant fantasy things and had yeah. iconic hats, probably. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Kalendor, that's what it is. It's super powerful saw and grail and it's, what do you, what do you call it? It's, it's locked away and the High Lords of Tyr have all the, have a whole bunch of Terra Angreal that they keep, even though they hate the one power because it's just sort of a They collect them to keep them out thing. of the hands of people who could use yeah. them. Yeah. And we didn't know that before, did we? No. We did not. We've learned a lot about Tyr. Yeah. But either way, the Amarlin is actually sanctioning their crazy plan. She's like... Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, guys. Yeah. Well, these people are expendable. <laughs> but they're not, though, right? These are the three most powerful Aes Sedai that have been born in, like, 400 years or something, right? Yeah, that's but she true. still says, if you die keeping that one terrain rail they're talking about out of the Black Aja's hands, you and Egwene and Elaine, all three, you'll have done a service to the whole world and cheap at the price. I so they're expendable to her. I guess so. I just I feel like maybe this is the situation where you might want to send more than just, like, Three accepted, even if they are pretty powerful. Yeah, you're probably right. But they're what she's got. So that's after this info dump, she actually gives them gold to go on the trip and gives them her okay and everything. 
Mm. And we find out that the mistress of the kitchen is actually a nice lady. Yeah, that woman sees like she's secretly nice. Yeah, she's yeah. she's been you know barking at the tree of the Amaral and saying, "Hey, can we stop punishing these these people?" That's just pretty lame. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. she fixes this whole bizarre situation she created by saying, "Everything's great here. I'm going to promote you." <laughs> Real subtle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice work. Yeah. Nice Amaralin seat. Nobody's going to come. Nice one. So they, are, the Nynaeve's detective agency, is ready to go. <laughs> Chapter thirty: The first toss. I kind of dice. So Matt packs up all his stuff and leaves the tower. He packs up all the food <laughs> yeah. in his bags, like a like a tremendous amount of food. <laughs> like she sent, he sends them away and comes back and away and come back. And he's just like filling up on like bread and cheese and, and yeah, fruit, puts all the cannon's mouth and puts the rest in his bag, uh, which is I mean smart, right? Yeah. We do that at hotels, right? You go yeah. to the oh yeah the free breakfast buffet. Wait, and you, what? You fill up your <laughs> Your bag with all the food from the breakfast buffet? Or like the little soaps and stuff from the thing. They'll keep refilling them as long as they're gone. <laughs> uh, excuse me, I need some more soap. <laughs> My shampoo. I just used to pull that shampoo. And so he he's sort of sneaks out, but he he sneaks out in such a way that everybody watches him sneak out because they think he's going to get stopped. Yeah, no one tries to stop him leaving. And I guess they're just all assuming someone else is going to stop him. Like, and yeah, he, not my problem. And he's all like thinking to himself, yeah. That people think that you're going to fail, and they'll let you just do whatever you want. And then when you succeed, they'll be shocked. And I was like, yeah, right, dude. You don't know what you're doing. You just walked out the front door. Well, people don't think he's going to be able to escape. He's not. They think there's no way he's going to get out of the city. So yeah, but they're I, just kind of let him do his thing. I challenge the idea that this is a clever plan on his part. Sure. He's just walking away. <laughs> and he's been doing a lot of random humming of different songs. Yeah, I guess Matt's a very musical person. I guess he is. The new Matt. This time and, he's singing, we're over the border again. Yeah, he's just got a lot of really appropriate songs for all the... Songs and sayings. Yeah, like, I've got a pocket full of gold, or I'm down at the bottom of the well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one was messed up. So he heads to the shipping district of Tarvalon, uh, with all the inns and stuff, to gamble. Because this is his plan. He's gonna, He's just going to gamble and get a whole bunch of money gambling and fund his trip that way. Which completely works because he wins every single toss of every game that he plays. His luck is a little too good. It's yeah. maybe getting a little bit of negative attention. I think you were right. Like this is this is getting into like thievery territory. This is no longer gambling. <laughs> he's just he's just stealing from these poor workers now. Well, and it's super weird too because it's like a fever grips him. They say so he doesn't even remember a lot of this when it's happening. It's like he's possessed all over again. Yeah, right. This 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 is very familiar, right? All these things that Matt has been doing, this crazy stuff happens without him really thinking about it. It's like he gets taken over or something. Yeah. Yeah, this this the same thing happened to Rand. I think it was back in book 1 when he has that fever and um what is it? There's a white cloak in I think it's in Berlon. Oh yeah. 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 Where he just starts messing with the white cloaks for no reason. Yeah, it's like he's taken with a fever and he just oh, like starts yeah. Yeah, yeah. acting out of character. But yeah, similarly, Matt seems to kind of lose control. Yeah, so I think this is maybe like a Taverin thing. The Taverin change things around them and they, they get woven into the web. However, the weave, weaver web wants them to be woven into the web. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is like the, what's it, the weaver like putting his finger at Matt's butt and like moving him like a finger puppet? It might be like that. Yeah, <laughs> totally like that. That's the fever is. So after this crazy gambling binge that he goes on from from, it's cool. He like goes 
from like to richer and richer ends as he gets richer and richer. Mm-hmm. And, and by the end, he's like get, throwing away silver bars. Like, oh, yeah, he's yeah, like, these aren't worth anything to me. And he staggers out of the inn, literally like with all of his pockets full of gold. He's eaten all the food that he stashed and replaced it with gold. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, that's got to be heavy, right? It's a good night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is, I mean, this is, you could buy Emmons Field with this. He's the richest person in the story now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and he gets attacked by footpads in the street. And mm-hmm. this is, Pretty cool action scene. And Matt's got a catchphrase now, apparently. Oh, yeah. That's right. Time to toss the dice. <laughs> so yeah. He's going to say that every time he's like starting to fight, I guess. <laughs> time to toss the dice. That's pretty badass. I got to go to the bathroom. Time to toss the dice. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I need to relax him to go, you know, toss <laughs> no, the dice. Well, the, you thing know what I mean? the thing is, though, I think he's speaking it in the old tongue, too. Yeah. That's, when they said it this time, the guy looks at him like, what? Yeah. The, you're probably right, but to be fair, if someone said that, I'd probably give him the same look, even if he said it in English. You're like, huh? Yeah. Okay. Sure, dude. So, yeah, he tries to give these guys the slip and ends up fighting one of them and then says, time to toss the dice and jumps off a building with the guy. Yeah. But I guess he's like, like, that's what it's like to be lucky. You can just do crazy shit and it works out in your favor. Yeah. It's like, like throw a knife straight up in the air and it's going to land on your enemy. He like falls 30 feet and lands on this guy, which... That doesn't make a lot of sense. I, th- I would think it might be kind of messy too, right? Well, you know, would... your body like contains all the broken bits and everything. You don't think it would you like don't usually splat? Yeah, you don't it's think not it gonna would go like a water balloon, like the skin would tear and things. No, would shoot the out. skin's yeah. really stretchy. Yeah. What about like the orifices, like mouth, ears? You know, something would shoot I out don't of those, know. right? But anyway, it's even weirder <laughs> because not only does he fall on him, but the guy's dagger somehow goes into his own heart. <laughs> yeah. So in case the fall didn't kill him, yeah. the dagger definitely would. Yeah, and Matt's yeah. like, that's really lucky. <laughs> but then he refers to himself as Rogosh Eagle Eye. Yeah, it was one of the heroes. I think that's one of the one of the heroes we saw at the end of the Great Yeah, Hunt. I think yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, he was he's saying, you know, this is this is getting a little crazy for me. It's mm-hmm. a little too rich for my blood. This it is adventure. indeed very crazy. Yeah. Okay, so if you crush somebody with your body, right. It will impart the same amount of force to your body as you impart to it. That's, That's like correct. Newton's something flaw. Right. right. Well, so, so so if it crushes that guy, it would have crushed Matt too. Except the f- well, no, you're right. Yeah, because well, not no, exactly because the, same the body amount of absorbs force. kinetic energy. I mean, it's like if you jump on a on a like a like a bouncy thing. Bouncy thing? Yeah. An elevator. Not an elevator. A trampoline. trampoline. Yeah. An elevator. Yeah, if you jump in an elevator. Bouncy elevators. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Matt is just lucky. Tavarin. Yeah. I guess. Loyal's not here to say it, so you have to say it for him. Tavarin. Tavarin. Tough to hear twitch. Better to put my hand up the the rear end of a timber wall than to anger nice and I. <laughs> so Matt says to this guy after he falls and lands under Matt and gets his own dagger in his heart he says you have bad luck fella yeah. <laughs> which I guess is his catchphrase yeah. that's, that's, that's his what is it, his like, finisher his, yeah, his, yeah you gotta have a catchy finisher too yeah so he heads to a random inn to catch his breath and everything that happens to Matt happens because of random stuff yeah, yeah. this inn is the woman of Tenchiko chapter 31 the woman of Tenchiko with the icon of a loot which means yes, it's Tom Marilyn. Yeah, I'm so excited. We love Tom. Yeah, he's, he's, he's my favorite. He's back from assassinating the king of Kyrie. <laughs> That's right, and I, I mean, it seems like he may have like killed other people too. I mean, he's 
It might have been a little bit of a murder rampage. I think he may have... It's just that he started a civil war. I think that's what he's upset about. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Because he doesn't seem upset about killing the King of Kyrian at all. He doesn't even think about it or talk about it. Just like, that was something that was on my list of to do. <laughs> and I did it. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm here. And then, then sometimes the civil war happens. You know how it goes. <laughs> and he's just a drunk now. And apparently sleeping with a like mother and daughter? No, I don't think he's sleeping with them. And they're sisters. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought they were mother and daughter. Oh, were they? They were yeah. sisters. Yeah, because it says they're so beautiful, they could have been sisters, but it's not. It's mother and daughter. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, yeah, I don't them, huh? think he's... Yeah, maybe he's sleeping with them. I, don't, I, I did not get the impression that he was sleeping with them so much as they just, like, he's charming, and they were like, oh, this poor guy, he's it, down in the Except butt. all he is is drunk anymore. He's just a drunk. Yeah, he's a drunk now because he's all... He feels bad. Sad about losing his squeeze. Yeah, my squeeze died. Yeah. But at least, at least also, Morgaze is angry at me. Yeah. Oh man, poor Tom. Tom. I think Tom might be my the only character that I really like in these this entire series, <laughs> except maybe Matt. Matt's growing on me. I'll, mm. I'll give you that, Jeff. I remember in the beginning. Yeah. You're saying Matt was your favorite character. Now I'm beginning to see why he's better. Welcome to Team Matt. He's getting better. <laughs> I, I mean, like I wouldn't call myself Team Matt, <laughs> but he's less annoying now. But Tom is probably the only character in these books so far that I really like. Yeah. He's super drunk and he's depressed, but that's okay. Matt's here to fix it. Yeah. Uh, but I like this story that he told. Of Mara and the Three Foolish Kings, which is just the story that he's telling at the end. Oh yeah, it's a really cool. It's like evocative ending of the story where these three kings look like idiots, and Mara rides away with their three crowns in her bag. I had to read this, and, and I was trying to like discern whether this was a reference to something, but I, I couldn't find anything. Huh. A lot of times, these stories are either uh, like a translation of a story that we know, or you know, like a reference to some historical event. Oh but... yeah, if it is, it's too are obscure they? for me. Yeah. I was looking at the names, but nothing nothing came out of it that I could think of. But yeah, it's an interesting story. So, uh, yeah, Tom joins up with Matt. Uh, he's all drunk now. And uh, I, I noted in my notes that uh, Matt keeps smiling at women to ingratiate himself, and it never works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his luck does not extend to the ladies. He gives them his best smile. He thinks of it as his best smile. <laughs> it does not work. Yeah. And, Which, and, 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 and where did he get the impression that this did work? Because it's never worked. Has it, not that we've seen so far. Yeah, it has this, not yet once. This is a little American Psycho for me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, to be fair, I think the ladies are being a little bit harsh on uh, harsh with Matt as well. I mean, he didn't know, but they, they seem to turn on him pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I can see. It all happens really fast. And, you know, everybody who knows Tom knows he's a drunk at this point, except Matt hasn't seen him in a while. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. And they, you know, they warm up to him pretty soon as soon as he's like, no, nah, I'm going to take him on an adventure. He's back in the main storyline now. And they're like, yes. And Tom's like trying to tell him the story. And Matt is like, not a compassionate listener. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, get over it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever. So Matt does get Tom to join him to go to Camelin, and Which seems like a poor choice on Tom's part. It seems like a poor choice on both of their parts, well, honestly. I mean... But, but Matt promised he would go to Camelon, though. Oh, yeah. Well, Matt should go, but bringing Tom... Tom is, like, a public enemy in Camelon. Yeah, like, Morgay's... He's going to meet with the person that wants to have Tom executed. <laughs> or Elida. Like, two of the, the main... The, those powerful people in Camelon really want to kill Tom. Elida's yeah. in Tarvalon, and Morgay's was in love with him. So I don't think she really wants to kill him. Uh, it's possible. We're going to find out. Yeah, yeah so we, we are. sure are. And Tom points out that there are no footpads, and by footpads they mean muggers, thieves, in Tarvalon because of magic. Which is something I was totally thinking. I, in the earlier scene, I was thinking to myself, man, it's really weird that thieves would be able to, to do anything in Tarvalon. So I'm glad they explained that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to note here that 
there's this thing that Matt keeps doing where he gives money to pretty girls. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just goes, oh, you've got pretty eyes. I'll give you a, a dollar or whatever. Which I think is intended to be rakish and charming. Yes. But seems uh, kind of a little weird, right? Yeah. It, but then right here, they give him they give him some silvers <laughs> because he's pretty. And it makes him feel good. He's like, oh, I have pretty eyes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it's not so bad. Maybe maybe he's... Maybe this is a world where that's just normal. Yeah. I mean, when you're a bartender you and you're a girl, you definitely dress a certain way so that you'll get bigger tips. Sure, but I mean, like, if a guy's like, here's like $10 because you have nice boobs, I mean, is that going to, like, make you feel good? I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I'll take the money. It's like, <laughs> I don't have to talk to them. That's fair. Yeah. It's true. So they head off to the docks. Chapter 32, the first ship with the icon of some waves. This is a new icon. It is. Oh, yeah. An interesting time to introduce a new icon just because they're on the water now. Yeah, they're on a boat now. They've been on, the boat, been on boats many times. <laughs> there were no waves then. It was oh. calm. They're on, the, they're on a river. Are there waves on a river? Yeah, there's waves on it. Oh, okay. Especially when there's boats on it. They make waves. It's a really big river, too. Is it? I I assume so. It's got a city in the middle of it. Yeah, that's a good point. So, Matt goes there. The dock master says, you ain't going anywhere, son. And he uses the Amarlin seat letter on the guy. Mm -hmm. And then there's this whole action scene where he runs and jumps onto the ship that is literally pulling away as as they go. So, this is another random thing. He picks a random ship here. Yeah, I, I mean, he could have waited for, like, the next ship, right? I mean, it seemed yeah. a little unnecessary. As we learn in this chapter, it turns out that he was right to rush. <laughs> and uh, they, they're they about to toss him off, and he just splashes gold all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got all the gold you could want now, so... The captain's, like, trying to rake him over the, go- over the coal. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you my place for ten gold crowns. And Matt's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. problem. Like, yeah, sure. Here's twelve. <laughs> yeah, here's twelve. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then another extra two to give to the person whose room you're going to be taking or whatever, you know? Yeah, right. Because Matt is just super rich now. Now that's his superpower. It's pretty Karen has wolves. Man. Rand is the main character. Yeah. And Matt's got pockets full of gold. But, you know, I feel like flashing money like this is not, like, a great idea. Like, this seems like the kind of thing that would get you, like, murdered and thrown in the river. Yeah. They don't know this guy. Although, yeah. I guess they, they believe that he's an emissary for the Amarillo Sea. Yeah, but they... Well... They don't super like the Amarillo either. Oh, it's true. It turns out these guys hate Aes Sedai. Yeah. yeah. And they even ask him, like, oh, are you, like, a secret lord in disguise? And he's like, no. But, but <laughs> if someone asks you that question, right, what's the answer? Yeah. yeah, the answer's always no. Because either you are a secret lord in disguise, in which case you're in disguise, <laughs> or you're not, in which case you're not. The answer <laughs> is no. Yeah. Good point. But this guy's name, the captain's name is Juan Malia, and he's a Terran. I think maybe the first yeah. Terran we've met. I believe so, yeah. Uh, which, we've heard a lot of talk about Tyr and Terrans. Yeah, I guess Terrans are just racist. Because this guy goes on this crazy tirade against literally all the other nations that he can think of. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, Mayin, they're just a crappy little town, and we're going to crush them someday. And Ilion sucks, and they're just this crappy nation, and we're going to crush them someday. <laughs> and Andor, and then he thinks Matt's from Andor, so he's like... It's fine, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they have uh, good metal or something. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And we're going to kill all the Aes Sedai. And he talks about High Lord Salmon. Which Tom... Makes has never heard of. Yeah, and Tom seems like he knows the yeah. world leaders. And Matt has still not put it together that Tom is like a, a high high society dude. Yeah. He's like, you wouldn't know all the High Lords. And Tom's like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tom's told him, right? Yeah, right. Tom's not not making a secret like, about. This. I used to be a court bard. I used to I used to know all these people, but you know, maybe, Matt's not quick on the update. Well, mm-hmm. maybe it's outside his his frame of reference too. 
Yeah, maybe that's yeah. true. He maybe doesn't know what a High Lord is. I didn't. Mm-hmm. So High Lord Samon has uh, been giving these like Nazi-like speeches about killing all the Aes Sedai. Seems like a relevant character we should keep track of. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure this will never come up again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Matt's still got his dice luck. He rolls some dice in the cabin and it's all snake eyes or the dark one's eyes or whatever. Which I guess is fives? I don't know. It's ones. He said it was ones. I thought it said five dots on them. Oh, because there's five, five die. With yeah, dots. with one yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a snake attack on them, on the boat. Some dude's like sneaking to his cabin. And Matt's just like, it's murder time. Yeah, and Matt hears him coming and kills him. And then he goes up on deck and he kills those guys too. Uh-huh. That's why we call him Murdering Matt Cawthon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess that whatever happened to him, he's, yeah, he, that's what he is now. Yeah. I love that he tries to wake up Tom. Then he's like, eh, I'll let him sleep. I'm, I'll go murder people on my own. <laughs> right. I got this. Then he uses stealth and deception and his amazing bow staff skills to kill these guys. Yeah. To crush a bunch of guys' throats. And- yeah, but Tom kills In them. his panties. In, in his panties. In his man panties. His small right. clothes. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yeah, they're very small. <laughs> so small they leave almost nothing to the imagination. Yeah. Tom manages to get one of these guys. That's true. With because he, he wakes up eventually. I guess the sound of throats being crushed wakes him up. <laughs> <laughs> Presumably he didn't stumble over the dead bodies that Matt just like left lying in the doorway. <laughs> and the other guy is killed because the boom hits him, right? Or the tiller or something? Oh, no, no. Matt hits him in the side of the head with this. Yeah, he stick. says it's like a tiller because oh, it crushes his head. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, he, he must, he's on a boat, so he's thinking of boat metaphors. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then Swan would understand. There's two other guys yeah. on the boat that jump off yeah. when, they, when Tom threatens them, and Tom's like, well, they're going to die. It's half a mile to shore. <laughs> <laughs> so the body count here is like six. Yep. Yeah. Better think twice before you mess with uh, Stone Cold murdering Matt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. He's a cold one. I never heard that Andor employed assassins, but burn my soul. He is a cold one. <laughs> yeah. And that's like, am I a cold one? I guess I am. Yeah. So that's, these are the, it turns out these are the same guys that attacked him in Tarvalon. So he recognizes the, ac- recognizes the accent of one of them. Yeah. So these are not thieves and footpaths. These are people out to kill him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why. Well, they, they do make a reference to the great Lord. We know what that means. Oh yeah. The dark friends. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get a quick check-in with Rand, who's just sitting around being crazy, basically. Yep. Eating some rabbit, playing his flute to himself. <laughs> no. Right, yeah. It's a, little, it's a little sad, I guess. Yeah. Sweating. He's yeah. sweating a lot. Thinking about ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you're out in the wilderness by yourself. What are you going to do? ladies. <laughs> oh, you, wait. You play your flute to yourself. That flute was a metaphor, wasn't it? <laughs> So that's why his mouth went dry, just thinking of her. <laughs> Celine had come cool and mysterious and so lovely, his mouth went dry, just thinking of her. Mouth went dry. Yeah. It's never happened to me. Like, when thinking about a pretty girl or something, your mouth goes dry? I don't think I've done that. Yeah, that, come to think of it. I don't think that's like a one of the reactions that you have for arousal. He's, he's crazy. He's crazy. (laughs) The first sign of the Dark One's madness. My mouth went dry and my hair started falling out. (laughs) You know, like like you do when you think of someone you like. Do you think you're possessed by the Dark One? (laughs) So, that's it for this episode. Next time, we're going to cover chapters 33 through 38 of The Dragon Reborn. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. If you've got any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. 
please give us your dollars on Patreon. Uh, please like us in real life. We're super likable. <laughs> Until next time, the, the light, light illumine you. you.